Welcome to an inspirational message by Pastor Harold Weiss, Senior Pastor at Little Falls Christian Center. So the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. For the just shall live by faith. For we walk by faith and not by sight. For if we pray the prayer of faith, it will not only heal the sick, but it will change circumstances in so many lives of those who have discovered this incredible open door that we enjoy with heaven, with God's throne above, that causes the Lord our God, even God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity, to move and to rescue us in this life from every trial, tribulation, and danger. Causes us to prosper in the midst of storms, to go ahead in life, even though everything else is going backwards. We shall take courage because Jesus is alive. Give the Lord a praise offering. Amen and amen. You may take your seats. Thank you very much. Well, I'm glad to be with you this morning and uh, always and forever. We are here laboring in the footsteps of those apostles that were there, that were called the apostles of the Lamb. They were with Jesus and uh, personally accompanied Him during His three-year period. And of course, after that, they were also there to, uh, there was like Paul, and they were there to write the books. Paul had a meeting with Jesus on the road to Damascus, but he also had a second meeting with the Lord in uh, the Bible that a few people actually realized that he had more than one meeting. And then we know in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, he was even caught up into paradise, into the third heaven. This man was remarkable, and the responsibility that was on his shoulders was enormous. Once his books were written, those letters to all the churches and so on and so forth, and to Timothy, the Galatians we haven't covered, Timothy we haven't spoken about, Romans we haven't even properly spoken about. If you look at these letters and what he wrote, and then he's followed by Peter, James, and the apostle John, and there's Jude, and so it goes on through these letters as they testify again and again of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, proclaiming that through faith in him, and repentance of sin and evil, committing one's life to Him, and then staying in contact with Him through prayer, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit in this life, with the mind of Christ gently guiding us along through life, we have a future, because the Lord grants us favor under all circumstances. Give the Lord a praise offering everybody right now. Now, I don't quite know actually where to start with this because it is so enormous. I really am not exaggerating. I'll keep you here over through the night from now until a few days to get through all this work that we have covered in this past week. But I will do some gleanings and bring you to a point where you can see things. It is vital, it is critical, it is essential to have communication to God. It is also essential in life to realize that God is also talking to us. It's not just a matter of talking to God. It's also that so many people, 
because of their lack of knowledge, their hearts being darkened with the things that are going on in the world. They're so caught up in worldly things, in worldly thoughts, that they're not capable of really discerning what the Spirit of God is saying to them. The more we allow the world and the world news and the world stuff to get here, the more we cause ourselves a difficulty because your mind gets filled with that. And when your mind is filled with that stuff, it's people think about that and what the doom prophets are saying and the negative stuff and the interest rates and the repro rates and all these things. We are not connected to that. We're connected to God who can cause you to prosper in the midst of whatever the trouble may be. Can you say amen? Give the Lord a praise offering. Hallelujah. Blessed be His holy name. You might as well smile too this morning, even though it's cold. It's not a cold to give a good smile to somebody. Just smile at somebody and uh, see the beautiful faces around you. When people come to church, they always look so, to me, they, you always look so neat. You always look so well-dressed. And you always look so, well, just, I watch the people fellowship and they talk to each other. And the cells. They love each other. This is the place of the love of God. Can you say amen? So, now, in Acts chapter number 18, and Paul has now arrived in the city of Corinth. He has been battered by so many things. We'll take a look at that quickly. And now, Paul has his meeting here. He's left Thessalonica. He's left Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea. And now he's on his way and he goes through Athens. We won't speak of that, no, that part of the Bible now. But he arrives in Corinth, which clearly is, he arrives in Athens, and then he just moves on to Corinth. Straight away, the Lord took him on. And um, then we see here in verse 18, or chapter number 18, how Paul began in verse 5, um, Verse 4, he reasoned and debated in the synagogue every Sabbath, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. But when Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, that's northern Greece, Paul began devoting himself completely to preaching the Word. I'm reading from the New Amplified Bible because it helps in understanding the Greek if in the event of anybody doesn't know about the Greek or the Hebrew or doesn't understand that language there altogether, then I don't wonder, I wonder if we all understand that language altogether. My goodness, it's, it's, it's a thing. Uh, Paul began devoting himself completely to preaching of the Word of God and solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed. Go on to verse number 8. Crispus then was the leader of the synagogue and he believed in the Lord together with his entire household, joyfully acknowledging him as Messiah and Savior. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul's message were believing and they were being baptized. If you believe, then you are baptized. You have to follow the Lord through the baptismal pool, burial of the old nature, the old man, and resurrection in new life through Christ Jesus the Lord. But we have a lot to say, so let's move on with some more. Then one night, road of Damascus, Acts chapter number 9, 
and again here in Acts 18. One night, the Lord said to Paul in a vision, Do not be afraid anymore, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you. I'm saying to you, accept your vermore, the year is my work. Do you believe that? How many of you believe the Lord's with you? How many of you really believe then do that? May God see your hands today. And with that, your expression of your faith. For I'm with you. And no one will attack you in order to hurt you. No one will attack you in order to hurt you. Because I have many people in the city. So Paul's on his way to Corinth. And the Lord's prepared the city for him. It's going to be the last stop at the end of his second missionary journey. And now he spends 18 months there. It says in the next verse, he settled there for a year and a half. That's 18 months teaching them the word of God concerning eternal salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, having said that, I want to move on and say to you that Paul, the apostle, I'm going to 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3 that uh, Paul the Apostle went through terrible times in his life. And you must understand that this man took so many knocks that I marvel, I really marvel as I deeply look at the way he lived his life in devotion to Christ the Lord, in devotion to the Lord that appeared to him here again, strengthening him, comforting him, that here we see in 2 Corinthians 1.3, he actually writes, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And he says, Who comforts us in all of our tribulations, whatever that tribulation may be, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any sort of trouble with a comfort, again, that same word. It means to instill someone, says the Greek word here, paraklesis, parakaleo, which is the root of that parakaleo or kaleo. It, would, it will tell you immediately that it is coming close to you and strengthening you, giving you inner strength through the Holy Spirit Confidence, faith to move forward in life and to prosper. So it says to instill someone uh, with courage and cheer and comfort, encouraging them, cheering them up. And here I have more of it. It's, it's an amazing thing that it says here, earnestly telling you to, to cheer up and supporting you in all the things that happen in life. I look here at the Mount's Greek Dictionary, and as it goes on, instilling joy in you, instilling gladness in you. God didn't want Paul there to arrive after all the storms he had gone through and being stoned and left for dead and all that being beaten. God didn't want him to stay in that one position. God didn't want him to come into the city of Corinth and uh, now fear the same is going to happen. He's going to take a beating again. He's going, to be, he's going to be knocked around. He's going to be hurt. He will go through suffering. He's going to again be struck with, with the, the whips 
and, and things like that. The cat with three nine tails. The Roman soldiers have those. And uh, he would not lose his life there. He would not suffer any more pain in his body. So God comes to him. And actually, as some of the commentators say, I think of Finnis Dakes just comes to my mind here in the paragraph of the Finnis Dakes Bible, that it says, that Corinthians was so part of Paul's mission of life that God did this, that he would not lose heart and leave. So he stayed another 18 months. And he also fell in love with this church. And then, of course, we know that he wrote two letters to the Corinthians. Second Corinthians and 1 Corinthians. Um, in the Greek text, pros, Corinthians, pros, Corinthos, a, alpha. In other words, the first of, it, of two letters. The one written from Ephesus in his third missionary journey and uh, the second one from Macedonia in the area of Philippi, in the area of Thessalonica, Thessalonica, and of course also in Berea, those areas there of Macedonia. And uh, now he writes that is because he had now received uh, notice that there were, there were things in the Corinthian church that were just wrong. And, <clears throat> excuse me, with all, um, it, is, it, is, it is just, you get such a revelation if you read these things and you study them deeply and you put all the pieces together and you, now I can go this way and I can remember the pieces they fit together and I see how that, that, that world of the early church was but infested with immorality. Corinth not being an exemption. They were also filled with immorality. In fact, the chief goddess of the city was the goddess Venus. Venus, the goddess of um, immorality, uh, licentiousness. They had a temple for Venus there. And, um, and uh, in, that, in that temple, they had at least a thousand prostitutes at a time functioning there with any form of imaginable immorality. Hence, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 5, and he actually gets so angry about it because he hears the report and he says, that man over there doing that. He says, I actually hear that a man has his father's wife. He says, therefore, I judge such a person. Though I'm absent in the spirit, on my way to you, I'm absent in the spirit, uh, in the body, but I'm present with you in the spirit. When you come together with me and my spirit to hand such a person over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh that his soul may be saved in the day of the Lord. He whips out at that thing and he delivers a man to Satan that his flesh may be destroyed and that, that he will know that he is not to do those things. Now, they're interesting 
facts in the Bible in 2 Corinthians about the same situation and the repentance that took place in that particular church there at the time. But he says things in this letter. If I just look at this here in my Amplified Bible, he says to them, you Corinthians, in the first letter to them, in everything you are in exceedingly enriched in Christ. Exceedingly enriched. You know what they said, and this was like the, the secular language. If a person is Corinthianized, Corinthianized, the person is taught the immorality, is taught to become like that city, completely immoral. And so it was in all of those cities. You see it over and over. I read these things, I study it, and all the commentaries, however many they may be, I go through these things, and I see, wow, these people were out of hand. And it was, it was this that was going on in that city of Corinth. Now, Paul writes, and he says something else to them. In the midst of all the troubles and the fornication and licentiousness and all of the perversion of that world, he begins to say, so that in everything you were exceedingly enriched in him. 1 Corinthians 1.5. In all speech. Now notice, empowered, empowered, empowered by the spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The church empowered by the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And in all knowledge, with insight into the faith. Now, again in verse 7, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift, Amplified Bible, which comes from the Holy Spirit, that you would not lack in the gifts of the Holy Ghost. And people don't understand this. They don't understand in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, there are nine of these gifts. So now we've activated just exactly that. And it gives me so much courage to read those words, that God actually gives gifts. Now we know it's the Greek word charisma, or charismata, if you want to take it, go into the plurals or whatever. But it's, it's, it, means, uh, it means gifts because of or through God's grace, gifts of grace from God above. He gives those, those gifts. So it was so that a few Sunday nights ago, I said to the people, how many of you like to move with me in the gifts of the Holy Spirit on a Sunday night? And they all, like one, put up their hands. I said, yes. So we've been doing that now, and we're having more and more powerful gifts as we're busy building up their revival services at night now here at Little Falls. The place got a lot of people coming in for the nighttime services. Paul says you don't lack in those gifts. You have the trouble. You have the temptations. This man here that's gone a little bit too far, I'm taking that one on and I'm delivering him to Satan. But as for the rest of you Corinthians, you must know before I get to you on my third missionary journey, you are empowered through the gifts of the Holy Spirit that God brought into the church. And interesting that if you look at 1 Corinthians and you see how that Paul gets into two dimensions. He speaks of the Holy Spirit 
uh, and he says here in First uh, Corinthians 2 verse 4, and my message and my preaching were not in the persuasive words of wisdom using clever rhetoric. They were delivered in a demonstration of the Holy Spirit operating through me and of His power, stirring the minds of the listeners and persuading them that your faith would not rest on the wisdom and the rhetoric of men, but your faith would rest upon the power of God. Now the power of God was there and at work, God channeled power to lift up that whole church through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's what brought the revival in Corinth. Exactly just that. Because they were now already, and there were some false apostles and, and people like that around there. And Paul says, are they Hebrews? I'm also one. And then he begins to lay out his suffering in 1 Corinthians, no, 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. He begins to talk about himself and all of the sufferings that he was going through on the road in fastings often stoned, left as dead, beaten beyond measure, and three times receiving the whip, you know, the, the cat of 39 tails. I wonder, I often wondered what his body must have looked like. In stocks, in jail, in prison, in Philippi. And so God says, don't worry about going there. Do not be afraid. I am with you in the midst of your tribulation. You know, we train people. I've trained people for years now. And you know what? To me, the knowledge of the word is understanding. You know, I go to bed and I think word. I wake up and I think word. It's just like I am. And the Lord puts things together in my mind while I'm sleeping. And I write up, I wake up, and I quickly write the things. Because I realize that God is talking to a church like you. And that God loves you. And God blesses you. And God will multiply the seed that you have sown today in the kingdom of God. He wants to see what kind of person each of us, in fact, is what kind of person we are. You know, so in second and first Corinthians chapter number two, he gets into he orientates them and he tells them about the spiritual man. And then he also talks about the, the fact that the one who is the spiritual man is in fact, he says, he says, um, the spiritual man is the one, I'm looking here at the Amplified Bible. He says, you say something, sweetheart? 1 Corinthians chapter number 2 and 6 and, um, and that whole section there, oh yes, um, up to verse 16, but we have the mind of Christ. But if you look at this, in 1 Corinthians 6, he talks about, he says, the spiritual man is the one of wisdom, the one of maturity. You see that word, maturity. When is a Christian mature? When you've made that section of Scripture there is immensely powerful. I have no words. I can preach a long sermon on that one. In fact, a series of sermons on that one. It is so powerful. It's transforming. It is something that you aspire to, to become a spiritual man. That takes maturity. Because some people, 
Many people, I've met so many people through the years, they're Christians, but they're spiritually totally immature. You could be in a church for 50 years and still be spiritually immature. Absolutely. They don't grow. They don't grow. In Him we live and move and have our being. He's the one. God is the one. And so He gives us His wisdom. And He says, this wisdom, which is, <laughs> is not of man, but this wisdom is of God. But I go on because there's so many things here in 1 Corinthians and in 2 Corinthians. I have found these books so loaded with revelation knowledge that I could preach literally as I do on heart to heart when I do the, you know, heart to heart when I do those things that put them on the internet every day. There's one going out. And I, and I put them on hot to heart and I take it here and I would take a verse and the same verse and the same verse and the same verse, then move, move to the next verse and the next verse, still the same verse, same verse, same verse. Sometimes five, six days in a row, just one verse. How about this whole book? How about the two books? But now in 1 Corinthians 13, I want to take you there because here he begins to speak again of the spiritual gifts. I have really promoted over the last period of time, and I see so many of you are sitting with Bibles in front of you. God bless you. Make it a habit. Go with your Bible. Find place in your suitcase or put it on your cell phone with one of the apps of the Bible. Instead of reading all sorts of other stuff, read the Bible even on your cell phone. My cell phone comes with me even to a prayer meeting, and I open it up, and I check Bible verses, and I put things together as the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. Now about the spiritual gifts, the special endowments given by the Holy Spirit brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. I want you to be in the picture. Tonight, I will give out the list of the Holy Spirit gifts. Philip, have it tonight given out in the church. I have the, li the list of gifts as I've researched them with verses and things, and I will give it out tonight here at the evening when we have the revival services. Now, he says here about the spiritual gifts. May I just say something to you? A gift is something that is given by God Almighty in our lives. It's an endowment. It is something God gives. He would not give gifts of the Holy Spirit if he didn't want that. He would, he would not um, prohibit us from flowing with the gifts of the Holy Spirit if he didn't want that. If he gave us those gifts, they are there to empower the church, to strengthen the church, to empower us. And they are like, you know, at the time of Christmas, little children get their gifts and you give it and they open it up and they're so glad and everybody's so glad somebody's received a gift. And that person is glad or you give it to even somebody you love. You have something, maybe uh, if it's your wife, you have something special for her husband uh, and, and then the wives. 
to their husbands and we give each other gifts. And then it's a time of gladness and joy. And then you have the best meal of the year, which is the Christmas meal. And, and all the people are there. They gather together. They come together. Families join with each others and friends come to places. And they have a, a joint, let's call it a barbecue or bry as we call it in Africa, a bry place. I always think of Elijah Mashwangane, uh, an evangelist who used to talk about pop and burevors. You know, he came out there and he preached one day when we were still in the tent and he was preaching all over Soweto and having crusades. And, and he was talking, I grew up on pop and vorse. And I thought to myself, you know, that's so beautiful. It's, it's like we say we have a bryflace. And overseas they say we have a barbecue. I like a bryflace. Nobody can do a bryflace like we do it here in Africa. Can you say amen? Give the Lord a praise offering. Amen. But you know, God gives you a gift. So why does Paul says that be earnest and seek the gifts of the Holy Spirit? And nobody's asking for the gifts to operate in their lives. May I tell you a little thing here? And that is that when the Lord saved me, and I want to put it this way, Jesus became 100% total reality to me. The moment that happened to me, I asked and I said to the Lord, I want these gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I just don't want one. I want them all nine of them. And I wouldn't pray for one. I'd pray for all nine. I'd give the list and their definitions. I'll give the definitions to the people tonight. It's already been duplicated. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you have it. So the fact is, he gives the gifts of the Spirit. And now I say, Lord, I don't just want one. I'm going to be, forgive me, Lord, but I'm going to be greedy. I want all nine of them working in my life. And I began to pray for nine gifts, not for one. I began to look at what each gift actually does. And I would pray about that. To go to the next gift and pray about that. And say, Lord, and by the way, when I have that one, I want this one too. So I'm one of those children that's opening up both my hands and my mouth and my eyes and my ears and my whole system, my whole spirit, soul, and body, I want nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. So I never pegged myself down on one of the nine gifts. Hence, on a Sunday night, I would pray for the sick through the gifts of healings. And then the next week, I would move into the prophetic type ministries. And the next week, I would use the gift of faith and strengthen the people through faith in Christ and show them discerning of spirits and casting out of demons. Power and authority, just like that. I was never satisfied with one out of nine. I wanted all nine. Because if you look at that, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, there's not just one flame. I wanted nine flames in my life. How many of you want nine flames in your life? Because then you have light. You see, when you, if I stand in front of this, and I go to the back here, and, uh, and I stand where I am now, there's a flame right about, about above my head, and there are more flames there. But if I look from here, let's say this is really a candlestick. This is the Hanukkah candlestick from Jerusalem, what it looks like. And... Uh, or Hanukkah, Hanukkah, uh, 
with its nine flames, but when you look forward, you only see one light. You don't see nine lights like that. It's one Holy Spirit that works all in all. It's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In the first place, the central stem here is not me, but the central stem always signifies the presence of the Almighty God because it is the Spirit of God. Just like it is in the so-called menorah of the Bible, there are, there are seven flames there of the Old Covenant, and those seven flames signifies that, again, the central stem is, of course, the stem of the Spirit of the Lord. Then the spirit of, of uh, wisdom, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of understanding. Uh, those three on that side. Then on this side, uh, it is the spirit of faith, uh, the working of miracles, uh, the spirit of um, uh, uh, wisdom, counsel, understanding, and the fear of the Lord. If you take them all, all together, you have those nine-fold flames of the Holy Spirit. You could only see the table of showbread in the light of the Holy Spirit. God sends His gifts to you, not only, not only because you're now a Christian. I'm going to tell you something. I'll say it again today. When I was 33 years of age, and I discovered the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and speaking in tongues, I felt robbed that I would go through 33 years of my life without even knowing about it. Going to church, I didn't even know about it. Nobody spoke about it. But one day, I walked into a Pentecostal church and I was blown away. This is a Pentecostal church. This is a place where God moves. This is a place of prayer. This is the place where God wants a ninefold flame in your heart. Light you up and show you the way. Guide you by the Holy Spirit. Convert you into a spiritual man. Empower you with faith and the Holy Spirit. Revelation knowledge. The mind of Christ. When Paul unleashes these things, he writes to them. He knows they're in trouble. And he's very disturbed. You read those 1 and 2 Corinthians. You see it there. Very clearly you see it there. And he's concerned about the churches. But when he says to them, listen people, these gifts are there to empower you. You didn't come short, now go for it. And begin to pray because he's been there once and now this is his second visit to the city of Corinth and that he's going to now, he's now actually coming in towards Corinth. And uh, uh, he says, listen, everybody of you understand that God wants to empower you. He has got gifts for you. In your life, little false Christian believers, Christian center believers, he has gifts. He has empowerment. He can show you when there's a demon in a person standing right in front of you. He can show you. I mean, those days in the world system, I was studying at the university and then I went over to, after the university, I went across to the AFM Theological College. Then I would also did the Rhema Bible School. But in those days, I would get into the lift with people. In the lift with people. And I would just say to them, you've got a problem with so-and-so in your life. And I'd get into the lift with people and they would say, oh, boss, and they would repent of sins. Just walk into the lift with the people and start repenting. But I would very often walk in the midst of the people and say this, that, and the other. God's given nine gifts, and I wouldn't have any less 
because I want the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I need the strengthening. This is powerful stuff. The gift of praying in tongues is a gift. He's given the gifts to you, to your children, and to those who are afar off. Acts 2, 38 and on. This empowerment of the Holy Spirit, He's given to all of us. So, what cannot happen then if you have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ? What could be withheld from you if you have faith in the Messiah and you have faith? He can give you the gift of faith through the power of the blood of Jesus. Faith that could move mountains in your life. Away things that block your life that God would strengthen you that much. I feel like I've said one paragraph, one sentence here this morning. But that's what the Lord wanted you to hear. A gift is a thing. God doesn't give a gift and take it back. The blood of Jesus has paved the way for you. You're more than a conqueror. Your sufficiency is in Christ. You're overcome by the blood of the Lamb. So when you step, like I step on this platform and I begin to minister to people, then I can also say, Lord, now by the blood of Jesus Christ, there's no barrier between me and you. And by faith, I shall prophesy. By faith, I will lay hands on the sick. By faith, there are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit available. Can you say amen? Let's stand to our feet. Give the Lord a praise offering. Come on, praise God. Praise the Lord. Nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Not just one. Everybody say nine. Everybody say me too. Oh, now we begin praying. And may I say this to you, my dear friend, before you go home. Speaking in tongues is the gateway, so I have discovered, to the operation of all nine other gifts. You start there, and then they just unfold in front of you and in your life. And that puts you on a journey of empowerment, having been empowered, supernatural strength, insight, and foresight. This is the power of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament church. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon you now and forevermore. The Lord bless you and keep you, lift up His countenance over you and be gracious to you and grant you eternal salvation in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All God's people say. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.